Come on, anybody else feel that way today? I want to hear the voice of God speak. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Brother Mays, come. Take your liberty today. God bless you. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen, amen. It is good to be home. Amen. Even if it was for a wedding, and I did. You can be seated for a moment. I, I did intend just to compliment uh, the elder. In fact, my daughter was talking about the wedding ceremony. She said, man, I like the way he included Ruth in that. And I think she's wanting to have it in her wedding, but first she's got to find a boyfriend. Amen. So, <laughs> amen. Amen. Praise God. And I, I did appreciate the wedding, and I appreciate what uh, Pastor Riggin, Bishop Riggin, excuse me, said. It was a great, great ceremony. Amen. I'm glad to see Sister Duzot here. Amen. Amen. She would come by when we was pastoring in, in North Kansas City. She would be a blessing. Man, she could play that piano. Amen. She could sing. Amen. But uh, time has made a change, hasn't it, Sister Duzot? Amen. Praise God. Love her. Appreciate her. I could tell you I'm nothing. I would be telling the truth. I could say that I'm worthless. A hopeless sinner. That's true. But that's just part of the story. Because I haven't told everything. For I was lost, reborn. And raised up a child of the king. Amen. Anybody feel that way today? Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn me to Psalm 89, I want to say thanks to Brother Riggin. I, I just text him and, again, to thank him for the service. I enjoyed it yesterday and what he said. And uh, he said, if you're going to be in town tomorrow, he said, you can come preach. I was going to be in town, but I was going to go, amen, to Brother uh, Hilton's this morning and, uh, and listen to Brother Merriman, and, uh, but God had other plans, amen, praise God. If you'll turn with me to Psalm, the 89th Psalm, amen, I want to say it is good to be here, amen, good to see some new faces, amen, I believe God's got a work in store for this church. And the way this service has went thus far, I just can't get away from what I'm going to preach. So, Psalm 89, starting at verse number 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy, amen, shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made covenant, made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the heaven shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heaven? can be compared unto the Lord. Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto God, unto the Lord? Uh, 
God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Uh, somebody say, God is greatly to be feared. Amen. I said, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are thine. The earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong in thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Amen. The psalmist starts the 89th Psalm by declaring, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Amen. My mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. And throughout the rest of this, these text verses that we just read, he continues, amen, to praise and exalt the name of the Lord. He details the celestial wonders of God and his divine majesty, his glorious creation and his power, not only over nature itself, but over all, amen, of his enemies as well. He declares God's glory, his strength, his might, and how even the mountains of Tabor and Hermon rejoice in his great name. He even proclaims God's infinite wisdom of justice and judgment and his marvelous workings of mercy and truth. Oh, I'm glad for mercy and truth. Can you say amen? But I want you to notice again verse 6 where the psalmist poses the question, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? In verse number 7, he again affirms that God is greatly, amen, to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are round about him. And then in verse number 8, he poses yet one more question on the incomparability of God when he inquires, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Uh, hang on with me just a little bit. I'll let you be seated. That old chorus that we used to sing once in a while says, What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. However, what that song is not saying and what the psalmist is telling us, he is far more than just a mighty God. He is informing us there is not anyone or anything that can even begin to compare to the greatness and the superiority of our God. The psalmist is letting us know that the God that we serve is above and beyond comparison. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is nothing and no one that can even compare to our God that we serve. Amen. That's exactly the subject of what I want to preach about today. I want to preach from the subject, our incomparable God. Amen. Brother Riggin, would you pray? Amen. I love you.
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise your name, God. I love you, Jesus. I praise your name. Woo! God, I love you, God. I praise your name. I love you, God. My, my, my. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. Woo! Amen. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord again. Amen. Somebody say God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In the book of Isaiah, amen, the prophet uh, in chapter 40, amen, God speaks through Isaiah to his own people in Israel and emphatically informs them that there is nothing or nobody that can compare to God. In verse number 18 of chapter 40, he states, To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye can compare unto him? In verse number 25, he further emphasizes the incomparability of God by posing the question, to whom then will ye liken me? Amen. Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Then in verse number 28, he declares, How hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Even today in our own personal attempts to find the words to compare God, we often use the most precious, beautiful, and costly things that we know to try and describe how great God is and how much we love Him and the hope that we have in Him, of which Romans chapter 5, amen, verse number 5 declares that this hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us but no matter how hard we try there is nothing in this world that can compare to the greatness the mercy and the love of God that we have experienced in our hearts our minds and within the depths of our souls can somebody say praise the Lord as apostolic Christians, we should do all that we can do uh, to give glory to our Savior. Uh, and that should include uh, our personal holiness in dress, actions, uh, amen, worship, and speech. Uh, can I hear an amen? Uh, Ah, but no matter how intelligent you might be, uh, no matter how large of a vocabulary uh, you might possess, uh, our minds cannot begin to fathom uh, just how great our God really is. Ah, uh, no matter what words we can sing uh, that are so beautiful, uh, amen, no matter how melodious the song, uh, no matter how, uh, amen, what the poetic refrain is that we could ever hope to write, uh, amen, that glorifies Him, uh, it will always fall short uh, of depicting God's greatness. Can I hear an amen? Uh, oh, no matter what it might be that we try to compare God to, uh, it will never be good enough. I said it will never be good enough. How can we ever compare the love of God to anything on this earth? How can we ever compare the love of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God to anything in creation? In fact, how can anything that has been created come possibly, amen, even remotely compare to our creator? Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. Ooh, I love you, Jesus. My, my, 
my, my. There are no words that can compare. No words that can truly describe the wondrous, amen, God that we serve. Because somehow in all of our attempts, it falls short of what we really want to say, amen, to him or about him. Because simply there is no God like the God that we serve. He's more than just a king. He is the king of kings. He's not just a Lord. He is the Lord of lords. That's why and how Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16 proclaims, and he hath on his vesture and on his thy a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, not only is there no God like the God that we serve, uh, there is no other name like His name. Uh, and the name of the mighty God that I'm preaching about is J-E-S-U-S. Uh, Jesus. Uh, amen. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 uh, verse numbers 9 and 10 proclaims uh, wherefore God hath highly exalted Him uh, and given Him a name uh, Amen. Which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Oh, somebody praise God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. There I can, therefore, I can boldly say that the name of Jesus is greater than cancer and the name of Jesus is greater than COVID. The name of Jesus is greater than heart trouble. It's greater than arthritis. It's greater than kidney disease. It's greater than liver disease. It's greater than high blood pressure. It's greater than diabetes. It's greater than pneumonia. It's greater than bronchitis. It's greater than tuberculosis. It's greater than asthma. It's even greater than AIDS and any other, amen, disease or sickness known to man God is greater the name of Jesus is to be exalted Further, the name of Jesus is also above humanism, imperialism, communism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and any other religion or sect that is upon the face of this earth. At the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Osama bin Laden and every other radical Islamic terrorist, along with every other type of evil, immoral, and heinous individual that has ever lived, will someday bow before for Jesus. I said they're going to bow. I said they're going to bow. Every false religious leader and teacher and everyone who is a self-proclaimed atheist that has ever lived, amen, will someday bow before him and openly confess that he is Lord of Lords. Every man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever lived, those that are alive today and even those that will live in the future, regardless of their color or class in society, will bow before him. Everything in heaven, everything on the earth, and even the things under the earth will someday bow before him and confess that he is Lord. Even Satan himself is one day going to have to bow and confess that Jesus 
Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no God like our God, and there is no name like the name of Jesus. Woo! But what many fail to understand is how Jesus received his name. We know from reading in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, how that the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream and told him to fear not uh, to take unto thee Mary thy wife uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost and in verse number 21 the angel continued and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins but I also want you to notice that, amen, Matthew continues to state in verses 22 and 23. Uh, now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken uh, of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, uh, a virgin shall be with child uh, and shall bring forth a son uh, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, which being interpreted is God with us. However, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 reveals further information as how Jesus received his name he, by stating uh, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake uh, in time past unto the fathers by the prophets uh, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son uh, whom he hath appointed heir of all things uh, by whom also he hath made the worlds uh, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. According to what we just read, Jesus received his name by inheritance. So is it any wonder then, amen, in the gospel of John chapter 5, after Jesus healed the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath and the Jews sought to kill him because he, they said he had not only broken the Sabbath but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God, that in verse number 44 Jesus would tell them, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. And again in John chapter 10, verse number 30, Jesus emphatically told the Jews, I and my Father are one. And further then in the 14th chapter of John, uh, when Philip at Jesus, uh, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Uh, in verse number 9, Jesus responded to Philip's inquiry by somewhat of a rebuking manner when he said, uh, Have I been so long time with you, uh, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? But he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Uh, so it's very clear. Uh, amen. When Isaiah 9 and 6 uh, prophesied, prophetically announced for unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given, uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Mighty God, the Mighty God, uh, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It is speaking of Jesus. Yeah. Woo. 
Colossians 2 and verse 9 is also speaking of Jesus when it declares, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So regardless of what many denominations may preach and teach today, Jesus is still the only name that brings salvation. Because Acts 4 and 12 still very plainly states, Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved I want you to understand salvation does not come through denomination or religion amen I said salvation does not come through a denomination or religion salvation doesn't come through the name of Buddha Muhammad or any other religious leader's name salvation only comes through the name of Jesus his name and his name alone is the only name that will bring salvation to a lost and dying soul there is no God like our God and his name is Jesus who do you know except Jesus of whom Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 3 through 7 he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Oh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb so he openeth not his mouth who do you know except Jesus who was born in a manger lived for 33 and a half years was crucified on a cross was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later rose victoriously over death hell and the grave it's never been done before. It'll never happen again. Jesus didn't need a tomb of his own. All he needed was a borrowed tomb because he knew he would only need it for three days. For he had already said in John chapter 2 verse number 19, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Hell didn't have enough power to keep Jesus on the cross. He went to the cross willingly and he stayed on it willingly. And when they took his body down from the cross and buried it in that borrowed tomb, the Roman Empire didn't have enough soldiers to keep Jesus in that tomb. And in fact all of hell didn't have a stone big enough or thick enough to roll across the entrance of that sealed tomb to keep Jesus inside yes Jesus was destined to go to the cross he was destined to go to the tomb but he was also destined to walk out of that tomb the tomb couldn't hold him death couldn't handle him Roman soldiers in a sealed tomb couldn't stop him he arose from the grave defeating the powers of hell amen sin and death itself and Jesus 
Jesus declared himself in John in Revelation. Amen. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. Jesus is alive forever. He will never die again. He will never have a crown of thorns jammed onto his head. He will never again be tied to whipping posts and beaten with a flagellum. He will never again be nailed to a cross. He will never again have a spear driven into his side and be pierced again. All the blood he ever shed, amen, has already been shed. And this is why and how Romans chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 inform us, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died he died unto sin once but in that he liveth he liveth unto God oh somebody say praise the Lord he is alive forever and ever and when he comes the second time and he will come again it's not going to be like the first time the first time he came to die the second time he comes he'll raise the dead the first time he came in meekness the second time he's going to come in majesty the first time he came in poverty the next time he comes he's coming in power. The first time he came and received a crown of thorns the second time he comes he'll have a golden crown. The first time he came on a donkey the second time he comes he's coming on a white horse. The first time he came as a lamb. Amen but the second time he comes he's going to come as a lion. The lion is the tribe of Judah. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. The first time he came as a baby. But the second time he'll come back as the conquering king of kings and lord of lords. He tasted death once. Amen. But now he lives and he lives forever. In Revelation chapter 1. Amen. Verse number 8. Jesus declared to John on the Isle of Patmos. I am. Amen. Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending. Saith the Lord. Which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. Amen. Amen. In today's language. Amen. What Jesus was really saying was. I am the A and I am the Z. But I'm glad he's also everything in between. Yes, he's most definitely the A, which stands for Almighty God. Because again, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty. He is also the B, as in blessed God. Amen. For Psalm 66 and 20 states, blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayers, nor his mercy from me. He is the C, as in caring God. For 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 tells us, casting all your cares on him, for he careth for you. He is the D. He is our delivering God. I said he is our delivering God, because Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them. I said the Lord delivereth him out of them all. 
He is the E. He is the eternal God. Which Deuteronomy chapter 33, 27 states, the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. He is the F. He is the faithful God. As 1 Corinthians 10, 14, 13 informs us, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it amen he is the G amen it is the great God since Titus 2 and 13 reminds us to be looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ uh, notice amen the direct correlation between God and Jesus. Amen. He is the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He is the H. He is the Holy God. For First Peter, amen, 1.16 instructs because it is written be ye holy for I am holy. He is the I as an inspiring God because Job 32 and 8 tells us but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. He is the J. Amen. For he is a zealous God. And God himself declared in Exodus chapter 20 verses 4 and 5 where he says that thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them. For I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. He's also the K. He is the keeping God because the psalmist informs us and amen in the 12th Psalm verses 6 and 7 the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them O Lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. He is the L as in loving God. For God, John states in 1 John 4 verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He is the M as in mighty God, which we again find in Isaiah 9 and 6. Amen. He, call, he is called the mighty God. Amen. He is the end. He is the nigh God or the near God. For James 4 and 8 instructs us to draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Uh, he is also a friend that's sicker closer than a brother that Proverbs 18 and 24 speaks of. Uh, he is the O. He is the overcoming God. Uh, for in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, uh, Jesus tells John the revelator to him that overcometh, uh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, uh, even as I also overcame, uh, even as I also overcame, uh, even as I also overcame, uh, and himself 
sat down with my father in his throne. He is the P. He is the performing God. Because Philippians 1 and 6 informs us uh, being confident of this very thing. Uh, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it uh, until the day of Jesus Christ. He is the Q. Uh, he is the quickening God. Uh, for in his, his charge to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, uh, chapter 6 verse 10. 13, uh, amen, the Apostle Paul says, uh, I have given thee charge in the sight of God uh, who quickeneth all things uh, and before Christ Jesus uh, whom before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Uh, he is the R. Uh, he is the reigning God for in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6 uh, John states, uh, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude uh, and the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings saying hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He is the yes. He is the sovereign God for God speaks through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 45 verses 5 and 6 and he says I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though hast thou hast not known me that they may know me from the, the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I'd say that's a sovereign God, wouldn't you? He is the T for he is the true God. Jeremiah declares in Jeremiah 10.10 but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king and his wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. He is the you, for he is an unlimited God. Because the psalmist proclaims in Psalm 147 and 4, Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. And Matthew 19, 26, Jesus himself says, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He's unlimited. He is the V, as in vine. Jesus says in John 15 and 5, he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. He is also, amen, the very God. Because 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 assures us, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God. Your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the W. He is a working God. As Jesus himself tells us in John 5, 17 that my father worketh hitherto and I work. And not only that, he's a wonderful God. For if you remember according to Isaiah 9 and 6, his name shall be called Wonderful. He is also the way. For in John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I know that some of you are already ahead of me thinking, so what about us? Yes. He is also the ex as a Zenodokio God. He said, now wait a minute. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I know that sentence starts like a Z. It does. It does sound like it starts with a Z, but it starts with an X, and it's spelled 
X-E-N-O-D-O-C-H-I-A-L. Yes, I had to look it up. Which means friendly to strangers. And according to the first portion of verse 9 of the 146th Psalm, we're told that the Lord preserveth the strangers. And the meaning of the Hebrew word for preserveth means to protect, to attend to, or to regard. And as far as I'm concerned, is that not what a true friend does? He said he'd be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I said he said he'd be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Uh, further, I could also say that X is for X-ray vision God. Because we're told in the first portion of 2 Chronicles. Chronicles uh, chapter 16 verse 9 for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth uh, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart uh, is perfect toward him uh, oh he is the why for he is the God of yesterday but he is also the God of today and forever for Hebrews 13 and 8 proclaims uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday uh, and today and forever somebody give him praise He's also a yoke-breaking God. For Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 instructs us to stand fast therefore in the liberty which Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I'm glad he's a yoke-breaking God. He's also a God whose yoke is easy. For Matthew chapter 11 verses 29 and 30, Jesus himself says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in my heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Finally, he is the Z. He is our zealous God. As John 2 and 17 records, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten thee up. He is the first, and he is the last. He is, he was, and he shall forever be. There was nobody before him. There will be nobody after him. Jesus himself declared uh, to the religious leaders of his day uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse number 58, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. The Jews couldn't understand what he said and responded by saying, You're not even 50 years old. How can you say before Abraham was uh, that you were? Amen. What the Jews didn't understand was that Jesus was God manifest in flesh. He was from the beginning of time as God. That is why and how the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 1 verse number 1 in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Amen. And then in verse 14 he adds and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Oh what an incomparable God that we serve. Can somebody shout out unto God. God, you're incomparable. Oh, you're incomparable, God. I don't know how long I've been preaching, but I got a whole lot to go. Amen. It's been said that Jesus was one of a kind, but the truth of the matter is he is much, much more than just one of a kind. He is the only one 
of an only kind. He is in a class all by himself. There will never be anyone else like him. He is incomparable. He was all God and all man in the same body. He was not half God and half man as some would try to do and say. He was 100% God and 100% man. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 has to say confirming this. It starts by saying let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father oh I love you Jesus I love you God took upon himself the form of a servant and he came to this earth and as a man he faced temptation yet he did not sin. That's why in how Hebrews chapter 4 Amen. Verses, verse 15 assures us, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He faced temptation and he overcame. Because he overcame, we can also overcome. If Jesus would have yielded to temptation, it would be the temptation that the devil could also destroy us with. But because Jesus was an overcomer, you can also be an overcomer. What an incomparable God we serve. Who but the incomparable God we serve can take a streetwalker, wash away their sins, and turn them into a tongue talker. Who but the incomparable God we serve can take somebody out of a drug house, uh, clean them from all unrighteousness, and make them an apostolic addict? Uh, who, who but God? Who but God? Who but God? Uh, who but the incomparable God that we serve uh, can take a drunkard off a bar stool, uh, fill them with this new wine, uh, and call them to preach this apostolic message of truth? Uh, who but the incomparable God that we serve uh, can take somebody, uh, amen, from the guttermost uh, and save them to the uttermost? Uh, oh, who but the incomparable God, amen, that we serve can take a nobody and turn him into more than a conquering somebody. I said, who but God? No wonder the third verse of the hundredth psalm proclaims, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Then the 19th psalm, verse number one declares that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You cannot completely define him. You cannot completely describe him because his love is endless. He is enduringly strong. He is everlasting invincible. He is eternally steadfast. He is immortally gracious. He is immensely powerful and impartially merciful. Thank God for mercy. (laughs) 
How long have I been preaching? In the gospel of John chapter 14, verses 6 through 11, Jesus tells Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's only 1118. I got another 45 minutes. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And in verse number 8, again when Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and suffice with us. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? Have I been such a long time with you? And yet thou hast not known me? Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. How says then, show us us the Father. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Oh, I want to tell somebody he is the doorway of salvation. He is the only way to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He is the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the host. He's the leader of the legislature. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of all governors and the prince of all princes. What an incomparable God that we serve. He is the first and he is the last. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the creator of all and the keeper of all creation. He always was. He always is and he always shall be. He is unmovable. He is unchangeable. He is undefeatable and he is never outdone. His office is manifold. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless and his mercy endureth forever. His word never changes. His love will endure. His grace is sufficient. He is a caring, loving, eternal, and faithful. He is greater than the greatest. He is holy. He is jealous and zealous. He is mighty. He is merciful. He is true, and he is everlasting. He reigns in righteousness. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. He was bruised, and he brought healing. He was pierced, and he eases pain. He was persecuted, and he brought freedom. He was killed, and he brought life. He is risen and brings power. Amen. He reigns and brings peace. He is light, love, and Lord of all. He is goodness, kindness, and gentleness. He is righteousness, almighty, all-powerful, and uncorruptibly pure. His ways are right and true. His word is eternal, and his will is unchanging. He is redeemer, savior, guide, and peace. He is my joy, my comfort, my Lord, and the ruler of my life. And I ask you today, is he ruler of yours? He said, he'll never leave me. He'll never overlook me. He'll never forsake me, mislead me, or forget me. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, in every way. Musicians, would you please come? If you fall, he'll lift you up. If you fail... He will forgive, I know. If you're weak, 
he's strong. If you're lost, he's the way. If you're hurt, he's your healing. When you're broken, he'll mend you. If you're blind, he'll lead you. When you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you face trials, he'll be with you. When you face persecution, he'll shield you. When you've got a problem, he'll comfort you. When you're facing loss, he'll provide for you. And in death, he will be with you. Finally, he says, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23 emphatically states, For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Would you stand with me? I'm telling somebody that's the incomparable God that we serve. That's the incomparable God we serve. If there's anyone here that wants to know him, I want you to come to this altar. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Would you come? As they begin to play, would you come? He's my all in all. I said, if you fail, he'll lift you up. 